because it's fun. It's fun to do bad things. 24-7 Comedy Radio. I want to do horror stuff with my friend. The Green Room is brought to you today by The Whiskey Dick. Log on to SeanTGreen.com and click the Whiskey Dick icon to get Sean's debut stand-up comedy CD. And now, live from Silver Lake, California, the host of The Green Room, Sean Green! All right, everyone, welcome to the Green Room Comedy Podcast. We're doing it live here in the Silver Lake Studios. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in <laughs> to the podcast. We have an amazing show. I'd like to welcome on my left-hand man, Mr. Logan Lysico. Logan, how are you doing? I'm doing fantabulously. Fantabulously. Now, where'd you get that, uh, where'd you get that word from, Logan? Well, just now I thought I had to make something up, and that's what I came up with. <laughs> All right. You thought you had to make something up, which you did, and uh, decided to go with uh, you know, your traditional freestyle. I like that. Man, what a show we have for you. A lot of things to get to, a lot of, uh, a lot of big news in sports and across the globe. I'd like to welcome on our guest, though, author, comedian, Jeff Tepper. Jeff, thanks for coming on the program, man. Hey, thanks for having me. One of the rare male comedians. Oh, one of those. Nice to see him. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. maybe, maybe I pronounced it wrong, Logan. Um, so, Jeff, I've uh, known you for, I don't, know, I don't know how long I've known you for. A few uh, months, it feels yeah, like? Yeah, a couple months. Okay. Seems like, yeah. You're, you're getting into the stand-up scene. Now, how long have you been doing this stand-up? Um, I've just kind of, like, I've been out in L.A. doing jack shit, and then lately, I've just, for the past couple of months, been trying to get back into it. I did a, a lot more as a kid and in college and stuff. But, oh, okay. Uh, now, uh, let's, let's get to know Jeff a little bit. Where'd you, where'd you grow up, Jeff? Hillsborough, New Jersey. Okay, Hillsborough, New Jersey. Yes. All right, now did you grow up there uh, your entire life? You lived in uh, Hillsborough? Yeah, went to Hillsborough all, you know, there the whole time and then uh, didn't go too far from home for college, went to Rutgers. Where'd you, and, where'd you go to Rutgers? Yeah. All right, now what was the plan when you went to Rutgers? What were you thinking of studying in school? No plan. I, I think <laughs> I, I initially majored in, like, psychology. I feel like a lot of people who go to Rutgers don't have a plan, at least from what I remember as far as guys I knew who went to Rutgers. <laughs> it was kind of like... I go to Rutgers, figure it out, it's, you know, decent school, yeah, not too go, bad. go with the flow, get some grease truck sandwiches, hit on some girls. Yeah, exactly. everything was falling into place. I'm in Jersey, what could go wrong? Right, all right. Now, so what uh, What brought you out to here to Los Angeles? What made you What made you say the Jersey lifestyle, it's not doing it for me? I'm, I'm hitching my wagon west, I'm going out to the City of Angels. What brought you here, man? God, ever since I was a kid, uh, watching uh, Belushi on Saturday Night Live, I knew it was like it's either going to be that, or I'm going to work at like McDonald's or something for the rest of my life. Really? It's either like one or the other. Like I got, I not just, even I Arby's, McDonald's. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking bottom of the barrel all the time, like total opposite ends of the of the life goal spectrum. Okay, now, what, okay, so you come out to Los Angeles, and your plan was just to just to get knee deep into comedy. Yeah, just to get into showbiz in general just do it you know uh definitely on the comedy side but people said oh well try serious acting because you know you might as well show your range and all that so i took have you have advice. you done any serious acting <laughs> yeah actually my friend uh is a student director and um he's actually damn good his name's nick acosta or nicholas acosta and he does all these shorts that are like sci-fi shorts and uh 
on my business card, it's it's me like throwing a fireball. You've seen it. It's like yeah. based, it's kind of based on Ryu from Street Fighter. So he, K- kind of <laughs> loosely, <laughs> loosely. I mean, it, it takes from a lot of guys who've shot fireballs in uh, fantastic situations, but That's not true. necessarily uh, Ryu in general. All right. Now, uh, I know you're you were just showing me some of your drawings um, before uh, before we got started the show. I know it's a it's a theater of the mind, but kind of describe what you're trying to accomplish here with some of your interesting pieces of art. All right. Well, um, never had too much faith in me as just your your strict by the by the rule, I guess, stand up comedian. Like I'm not old school like that. I like to think outside the box, if you will. Okay. I hate saying that. Like, <laughs> and it's just like immediately, people, your listeners are going to be like, okay, he's a douche. I don't need to listen to the rest of this. But right. Um, they yeah. saw the air quotes with think outside the box. They, they you know. <laughs> yeah. The air quotes are everything. I mean, if you're not here for the context. So, um, God, what were we just talking about? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I, I was asking you about your yeah. uh, your artwork and um, the um, the different paintings. That, or I'm sorry, yeah, the, the, the method. Yeah. It's logistically, it is just not sound. I would show up to some gigs with uh, 18 by 24 prints of my work and just like do it on an easel. And uh, some it works out good for some of the drawings, but some of them you can't really see from like the back of a room. Yeah. And then uh, my other method was I have a little mini pocket projector, but I'd have to bring my laptop and set that up. And for open mics, it's just a pain in the ass. So I'm thinking just, like, bury myself in something else, and then when the timing's right, when I can actually, like, figure out a way to do it right, I'm going to do it. And uh, Yeah, no, you're showing me some of them. Um, they, they kind of have, uh, I don't know, they, they, you know, they're comedy drawings. Some of them, it seems like uh, different tweets you've animated. Is that some of your some of your uh, That's something inspiration? I, I, yeah, I, I like, kind of wanted to start do that to okay. do that actually uh, I, I saw it somewhere and i was like oh that's a great idea i should do that too but now i'm not being original none of those are tweets those are just like uh, like uh, how stella got her groove back to the future was like a joke we had in high school and like the swedish chef from the muppets is steven seagal on under siege it's just like wait a minute what would it be like kind of right. a thing <laughs> yeah yeah now, one you showed me was uh, I, I enjoyed it. It was from a uh, experience you had in Las Vegas. What was that? I mean, kind of set that up for us. It basically, it was three or maybe four different panels of colored pencils of an experience you had in Las Vegas. Take us, take us to this Las Vegas story. It All seemed right. pretty interesting. Yeah, it's a good one. It's it's definitely one for the books. Uh, when I tell my parents about it, like I, I introed it, just like, well, you know, Ma, I actually took a bunch of mushrooms and o- almost married a Hooters girl in Vegas. Well, I'd like to tell you all about <laughs> all it. All right, all right. Now, now, don't don't speed through the entire story here. Okay, all right, I'll, all right. I'll go through it. Okay, start us off. You're heading to Vegas. Heading who's to Vegas. Go, who's in the Vegas trip? I can't tell you who because I made a solemn oath, but we shall refer okay. to him as Mr. Dingleroot. Okay, Total you and fictional. your you and your buddy, Mr. Dingleroot, who's okay. who's successful in a certain industry. Uh, all right. It was like a celebration of recent success. Are you okay. guys the real Wolfpack? <laughs> we we are the real for real wolf pack. Like Zach Alvinakis saw us in our leather jackets rolling down the strip. It's like, oh, I got to get in on that. These guys are onto something. So I brought um, a whole bunch of mushrooms, okay. and he didn't really plan ahead too well, and uh, he just wanted to do something. So like I gave him a couple caps, but his idea was to take some Viagra, crush it, and snort it, okay. which is just a recipe for disaster. Now, yeah, that's what I don't understand. I mean, okay, I guess. <laughs> 
if you're taking pills and you grind them up and store them, maybe it's more intense or whatever. But Viagra, I don't. Is it more of it? Are you just yeah, more of like it? a badass by snorting Viagra? What's the logic in snorting Viagra? I think the logic was he just wanted to do something crazy. There was no really. There's no real method to that kind of okay. madness. And like I was like, dude. Bad idea, bad idea. Yeah, like, hey, you don't know shit, man. He was, <laughs> he was drunk at that point. Okay. So there was no talking out of it, so we did. And uh, we were staying at the Hard Rock. <laughs> you it tried. It sounds like I... you were crushing it as you're like, are you sure? <laughs> okay, this is a bad idea. I got this spoon out, and I'm going oh, to crush up these pills, but I'm telling you this is a bad idea. Yeah, we should mainline it instead. I, yeah, I warned you. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, we're at the Hard Rock, and we, like, we're already fucked up, and we walk to Planet Hollywood, and things are going great. He's He starts getting his libido on and hitting on this Hooters girl who's just not <laughs> that's a, That's him. just a great getting expression in yeah. and of itself. Getting his libido on, you know, just a guy getting his libido on. I yeah. like that. Okay, no so he's deal. there. He's, he's starting to flirt, obviously. Yeah. Well, if you're in Vegas in general, but especially if you're taking some uh, – some Viagra, bumping some lines of Viagra. Okay, so so we're at the bar at Planet Hollywood, and um, he starts talking to these girls, and like me, I'm tripping my balls off. I'm in my own little world, smoking cigarettes, looking at all the pretty lights, and so one of them, one of the girls, taps me on the shoulder, and it's just like, "Hey, pretend you're my boyfriend." This weird, creepy guy across the way is looking at me, and I'm like, uh, "All right." So I do. <laughs> I'm tripping, and I'm just like, "Yeah, this is great. Oh my god, why? Why would I even hesitate?" And so we're doing that, and then um, we're just, you know, things are going real well. We're hitting it off. I am like one. I'm, <laughs> now, I'm Don what's Juan it like on to, mushrooms. What's it like to flirt on mushrooms? That sounds. It's like you don't even have control. It's like Johnny Depp <laughs> takes over. It's just like, hey, hello there. So you're just, you're just kind of like, you're just letting this, you know, kind of movie star swagger take over your body. Like, yeah, I, it's like I'm it watching like, from from afar. As, okay, as so you just kind that. of. Having an outer bot experience, watching yourself flirt with this Hooters yeah. waitress. And I'm, I'm loving every minute. I'm just like, fuck it. This is going to be great. <laughs> exactly. And so uh, we're hitting it off real well. And I'm like, you know what? Let's get married, man. There's a chapel at our hotel. Let's do it. So uh, right, Quick sidebar here. I, didn't, I don't mean to interrupt, but you're not the only person to share a super wasted comedian story of getting married in Las Vegas. Our buddy Adam Jacobs, if you want to. Look it up in the podcast archive on shantygreen.com. He also had another story where he ended up marrying a girl in Las Vegas. This girl was like a girl he was kind of he was kind of seeing. It. Well, first off, he had a girlfriend, and then he also this was the girlfriend before this girlfriend, and supposedly she followed him out to Vegas or like knew he was going to be there. And she's from some other country, I don't know, Eastern European or something. And, uh, you know, he tells the story of like, hey, we just threw $20 on roulette. And, and I said, if I'm hitting this number, I'm marrying you. And then it hit the number. And then they were really <laughs> wasted. So they went and they tried to get married at like 3 a.m. But it wasn't, the chapel was closed. So they went back to the room and just partied more and then got married at 6 a.m. <laughs> and so then that's he's, where it's like. You yeah, know, that's not he, a compulsive he's, decision. Right, you're he waiting, says you're driving. You drive all the way there. Oh, you're sobering up with some in. coffee, exactly. <laughs> yeah, bacon and eggs and a breakfast. He, the funny thing with him is that he he acts like, oh, I was just so wasted. I didn't know what he was. I was doing, but really, this chick was really smoking hot, and he's. By his own admission, not like a super attractive guy, kind of overweight or whatever. So, I mean, really, he just wanted to marry a hot girl and figured, hey, if I marry her, this is how guys, how short term we are in our thinking. Like, oh, if I marry her, then I'll definitely get laid for a while. At least. <laughs> yeah. Not thinking of any sort of long term consequences. So that didn't work out well for him. So, okay, sorry. 
not to interrupt your story, you're there, you're taking some mushrooms, flirting with a Hooters waitress. The, the idea of marriage comes up. And so my friend being the excellent wingman, by the way, he is the absolute worst wingman in history. Because <laughs> he, he's, I can't even get into it, but the absolute no, worst. No, sure, sure. Give like, us a okay. couple examples of him being an awful wingman. Because well, I, like, I feel like guys talk about being a wingman, but what in your mind, what's a good wingman versus a bad wingman? Okay, what makes him bad is he's got this swagger. And when he's just drunk and not on Viagra, he, he like, he's, he absorbs them all. And does, and like inadvertently makes everyone else around him look bad. I don't know how he does it. He just does. So so he up he's shows he's a closer. You? Not he, yeah. He does it without even trying. But it's not, it's not he's like not even a shower upper. He's just he's the man for his time and place. And it's like and then whoever's with him is just like gets in competition mode. And then that that just that's f you know that's yeah. So it's basically he's tough to compete. He's very confident and. Chicks are kind of naturally drawn to him, so it's like, ah, come on, dude, relax. Just focus on one girl. Let me let me try to go after another girl. Yep. Okay. So so anyway, yeah. And so him being such a great wingman, as soon as the word marriage popped up, he's like, oh well, that's a great idea. We have a twenty-four <laughs> hour wedding chapel at our hotel. So um, back at the hotel, it thank God it was closed. But we had previously gotten upgraded to a room with like a. A hot tub in it. They had it was like a stairwell and like a big landing with a hot tub built in. So you and your buddy are sharing a room with a hot tub. You yeah. got upgraded, okay? Yeah, that's nice. And uh, we got him back there. And one thing leads to another. I'm hooking up with this girl, this Hooters girl. So you bring back two Hooters yeah, girls two, from this Hooters casino. That's right. And um, <laughs> no big <laughs> deal. Sounds like so fun. <laughs> yeah. Jeff yeah. did his little like shoulder shrug. Like yes. Yeah. Sounds about cracking sounds my about, neck right now. Sounds about the story I'm laying down. Yeah. No so, big deal. You know, pulling some Hooters tail on on uh, mushrooms. Okay, so you guys are, are we're back hooking there, up, out. and so on the stairwell, this girl is just scowling at us, just scowling at us, and um, making out with her sister. <laughs> so it's kind of awkward. So I'm like saying to my buddy, "Yo, in the hot tub, do something." So he he shoots up <laughs> like a rocket. No, but wait, are you actually saying do something? Or are you? Are well, you I'm like, I'm like, with your eyes. Yeah, kind of, because I'm not like, because it's. It, she keeps stopping every so often. I'm like, dude, my, my sister's watching. This is weird. Exactly. I'm like, yeah, oh, I know. It's uh, what, totally what, weird. I don't want my friends to think. Uh, I, 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 I might, my yeah. ride, my ride's coming. And you just like, it's funny how the craziness. Like, I'll, I'll drive you anywhere. All right, I'll take you. To, I have a race car. I'll take care of it. Like, you just like, you, you immediately start grabbing for straws. My dad owns a limo business. It's fine. I'll get, I'll get you home. Don't worry. Just don't stop this. What we're doing right now, like. You really can. It's amazing. Like, when you talk about comedy and improv and being on the spot, literally trying to stop a, a woman from, you know, her cock-blocking friend, that is the ultimate improv because you just have – it's right in front of you and I'll yeah. say it. And, and if a good wingman is present, a good wingman will set his foot down and be like, hey, you're right. with, you're with you me You see that <laughs> part of being a good wingman is anticipating friend interference. You're just running distraction on them the entire time. It's basically like if you're a, if you're a wide receiver and you know it's a running play, well, you still got to run out and run your route and, act, and get the DB to cover you so that if the guy breaks the corner on a toss sweep, he's going to the end zone because the the, the, the the defensive back's chasing after you. Or you could be that, that is very complicated. Show. Or you could be like Terrell Owens and just take or Randy Moss when it's a running play, you just take two two you know yards off the line, and then oh wait, obviously it's a running play. I'm going to go in there and break up the play. So now your buddy, he's not being <laughs> called analogies, exactly like guys. <laughs> okay, so your friend's not being very helpful in taking down the cock-blocking chick. Yeah, so 
so he he decides he's he's got the answer. He's got the solution, and he he sh- he shoots up out of the hot tub, drops his pants, and and just like so. Uh, look at my dick. Really? Yeah. And right without missing a beat, the sister shoots up from the stairs like, "We are leaving. <laughs> we have another sister to pick up at the airport. We are out of here, man." <laughs> so uh, yeah, she she scoops her out, and they bounce, and I'm just like, well, all in all. Buddy, it was a good night. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't get you didn't get that angry at your friend. I feel like I'd be a little fired up. <laughs> I but mean, there's a certain there's a certain comedy to a guy who I mean, this guy must have just been going crazy the entire night, sitting there, oh yeah, high off Viagra, just in the hot tub, <laughs> waiting for something to happen. And it's funny because in the loft, I was upstairs, he was downstairs, and so when we were just like, okay, the sun's coming up, we got to call it a night, we got to get out of Vegas tomorrow. So I'm upstairs, and all of a sudden I hear. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? And I hear it. I hear it all the way from downstairs. And it's it's him just going. I, he must have brought some lotion or something with him. Like, oh, he prepared for this. He must have, like, knew ahead of time. And it was the loudest I had ever heard anybody masturbate. Oh, God. That's that's when you know. That's really the. Uh... That sounds like a terrible trip to me. <laughs> you saw your friend's boner and then you heard him stroking it. Right. Not only did he not prevent you from being. Literally, the guy. Cock blocked you with his own cock. Like, <laughs> normally, normally when people say cock block, it's a metaphor for you not getting uh, laid. But literally, this guy blocked you with his cock. And that, not only was he a bad wingman, he was just a bad person. It sounds like <laughs> yeah, this guy just ruined your evening, and he had nothing to show for it. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, if anything, that's just—I got to be honest—just poor manners. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think he still feels bad about it, but he he definitely made it up to me. I had a now. Um, I don't know. Story. Did you guys hear? Um, speaking of Las Vegas, did you guys hear at all about the Floyd Mayweather Victor Ortiz fight? Oh, I saw it. I wasn't there to see it, but I sure saw it. Okay, so basically, Floyd Mayweather. It's a big fight, I guess, in the boxing world because it's Floyd Mayweather. It's it's hard now with boxing. There's no like real big fights anymore. But he's the bad guy. Exactly. He's kind of uh, he kind of plays the role of just like basically boxing's asshole. <laughs> so he's he's has this big fight. Victor Ortiz is kind of a guy that whatever they just need him to fight someone. He's the underdog, they right? He's a pretty big uh, underdog. I think uh, it was like he was a six to one underdog when uh, early on in the week. Round four comes. Mayweather's up a few rounds. Victor Ortiz gets him in the corner. And Victor Ortiz, Mayweather's tying him up. Victor Ortiz launches his head with a vicious headbutt. Pops, yeah, uh, you see him pops Mayweather it. right in the chin. There, he's bleeding a little bit. Then he like, and then Ortiz comes in, kind of hugs him, gives him a kiss on the cheek. Yeah, what was that? About? I, that was very bizarre. I, I mean, I I thought UFC was a homoerotic sport, but come on, boxing. <laughs> you guys were supposed to be the straight combat sport. I don't need. I don't need you guys kissing each other in the ring. All right. I mean, maybe throwing an air kiss, like yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, something I like that. When Lennox Lewis fought Tyson t- after the fight. Tyson was like, "I love this man. I love this man." And he was <laughs> kissing him on the cheek and on the forehead and stuff. And he was just like, uh, "So yeah. he kind of say you're gonna eat his children." He kind of he kind of does that, which is a which is a weird move. Then uh, then he hugs. He hugs Mayweather kind of as an apology. Yeah, then they Mayweather kind of, like stunned when he's hugging him. He's like, "What are you doing?" Exactly. Then they hug. Then he the the ref brings it to the middle of the ring. He hugs him again. Then the ref kind of breaks it up. They never touch gloves per se, 
But it, it, no, from was... watching the video, it seemed like it was pretty obvious that the fight's back on. But then the third time, Ortiz comes in for like another, I'm sorry, hug. An embrace. Yeah, another embrace. And that's when Mayweather's just like, screw this. Or he kind of had his hands to the side, like maybe he was going to accept it. I don't know. It, it was unclear, but then he just put up his hands and just popped him a couple times, knocked him Twice. out. Twice. Like one straight to the face and stunned him, and then like a right hook and just right knocked, hook, just his ass knocked right him right out. out. I gotta watch this. This sounds bizarre. It's so he awesome. Kept going for hugs? That sounds. Right. It was when weird. When you say that, I'm thinking, at first, I'm thinking the hug of when you're just trying to get so close that you can't see. Yeah, no, no. Like, if anything, if anything, when Mayweather's in the corner, he was kind of hugging his arms in the way you tie up in boxing. But then after Ortiz headbutted him, Ortiz gave him, like, a bro hug. Then he did another bro hug kind of in the middle of the ring, and then he was going for another one. That and sounds then, bizarre. Yeah. Three bro hugs? Yeah, it was you're a – You're in a fighting match. It seems it, – it does seem bizarre. I mean, Adam Carolla, who's a, who's a boxing guy, he was talking about it, and his theory was that Ortiz just wanted out of this fight. Because it, it's really? the only – it's the only – I mean, not – not consciously, but subconsciously, he thinks that, okay, he realized he was outmatched. Mayweather was probably going to beat him. He kind of had a burst giving his best stuff and realized, oh, man, I am going to get the piss beat out of me. So right. better to I kind well of take my millions. And right. Or <laughs> that's a good point. But in a way, that move was possibly the best thing he could have ever done because by getting knocked out in a somewhat controversial manner, obviously the guy didn't have this all planned out, but. By getting knocked out in a somewhat controversial manner, as soon as uh, as soon as the fight was over, Mayweather was like, "Yeah, if he wants a rematch, I'll give him a rematch." So this guy, I mean, got paid two million dollars for this fight. He's just setting up for another huge payday in his world. I mean, obviously Mayweather's going to make a ton of uh, money off it. I mean, he's he made way more than this guy. Mayweather is one of these guys. I read in the New York Times that he controls every aspect of the of the fight from like. Uh, I think I was talking about this on the last episode, but like hot dogs, concession, foreign pay-per-views, oh, wow. everything. He's, he's he, running it deep in there. He actually cuts the guy the $2 million check because he owns every operation. He's with the promoters. The shadow yeah, owner. when you're the asshole of boxing. Exactly. You get results. <laughs> you it's like around. the Jerry Jones of boxing. I actually bet on this, and I bet decision. I bet the fight would go to a decision because Mayweather – all his fights, or at least the fights since 2005, which haven't been a lot of fights. It's only been like four or five fights. But he's not a guy who normally knocks people out because he's not a big dude. He's just, you know, he'll just work you. He'll he's just, a sniper. He'll just pick you apart with jab. He's a great technical boxer, and I kind of expected that. Now, uh, it was funny, Sean. We were watching that, and we were like, you know Sean Green's passed out on the blackjack table <laughs> exactly. while this is going on right now, right? Just getting into it. Now, this is um, – this is uh, Floyd Mayweather, and then this is after the fight. Larry Merchant, who's probably about 80. Oh, this is great. He's probably about he's probably about 80 years old. He's the old school boxing guy. Now people are booing because they're kind of pissed off. I mean, I think some people saw it as a cheap shot, and also I think people are just pissed off that the fight only went four rounds, yeah. and that the guy got knocked out with his hands were down. I mean, I'm kind of on the side of Floyd Mayweather that. The dude should have had his hands up after yeah, the third time. I'm with time. you on that. Um, but uh, okay, this is the this is the interview Larry Merchant and Floyd Mayweather. And for after... those of you who don't know, Larry Merchant totally looks like Lloyd Bridges. <laughs> Basically, yeah, just picture an old white haired man in the center of the ring with this this, <laughs> this you know stud Floyd Mayweather. 
taking advantage of what you know. You know what I'm going to do? Because you don't never give me a face shake. You know that? So I'm going to let you talk to Victor Ortiz, all right? I'm through. They put somebody else up and give me an interview. What talk are you to talking Ortiz. about? What you are you, you talking heard him. You never give me a face shake. HBO needs to fire you. You don't know shit about boxing. <laughs> you ain't shit. You're, you're not shit. I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. Larry Okay, so that's that's the basics. Uh, Larry Merchant threatening to kick Floyd Mayweather's ass. Yeah, bring it on, Mr. Magoo. And you you, you gotta love that. Fifty years You gotta love that from an old man. I mean, just a that sense of humor. And uh, yeah, if I was fifty years young, which is weird that, that Larry Merchant had a prime. Like, yeah, when I was thirty. I, don't, I mean, obviously, obviously Floyd Mayweather isn't even fifty years old. So <laughs> you know, he's probably probably a huge favorite in that fight. But uh, yeah, I mean, people were fired up. They were kind of they were kind of pissed off. I, I mean, I at- saw Mark Wahlberg shoot up like an arrow, like when when uh, when the quote unquote sucker punch went down. It's like, oh shoot, Mark yeah. Wahlberg's excited, <laughs> right? If Mark Wahlberg's complaining about a sucker punch, Mark Wahlberg, I don't know how. I, I mean, this is you know, I can get fired up all day about these uh, these people who get free passes. But Mark Wahlberg, <laughs> you want to talk about guys who got a free pass. Mark Wahlberg, I think he was 17 years old. I could get the, the ages wrong in this. But him and his buddies in Boston were going around gay bashing dudes. Not, not like, you know, hey, your buddy Bill can't throw a football calling him gay. But they were going around with, like, pipes and beating up gay dudes to the point that he detached this one guy's retina to the point that this guy can't see anymore and is blind out of that eye. Oh. So now, how does this guy get to work in Hollywood? <laughs> I never knew about this. Yeah, no. Oh, yeah. He was like a seriously bad dude. And then he became Marky Mark dude, and the Funky spread, Bunch. Let's spread the truth. Let's just yeah. bring this up. Well, the world episode. needs to know about well, this. Well, the thing is, I can't, I can't bash him that hard. Like, hey, I want to try to get a role. <laughs> like, this is, hey, this Entourage is, is over. I don't give a shit no yeah. more. Now, Entourage, uh, you bring that up, Logan. Entourage ended. Logan had a controversial tweet. Logan said that. <laughs> Entourage finale was worse than 9-11, and I... I, I, I it happened on 9-11. It was topical. Okay. Now, I wanted to unfollow you after that. Now, Logan, try to defend yourself in that tweet. I, 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 I think luck. it's going to be tough to do. First of all, I took it down immediately. It <laughs> but... Logan, yeah, that was a terrible... That was a terrible finale. Everyone fell in love and got married. That's not yeah. what... All, all the loose ends got about. tied up all nice and fine. Nice little package. Uh, the uh. main movie star, Vince, uh, met a girl the episode before, or maybe two episodes before. <laughs> she hated him. And then this episode, they went on a date, which you don't see. And all of a sudden, they're in love and they get married. And that's the end of the show. They're no so love montage whatsoever. <laughs> no cotton candy, riding the Ferris wheel, nothing. And then, yeah, uh, it's funny. They, their Eric... entire relationship happened off screen. Basically, the show had just been kind of floating around. and uh, It is – I mean, why I liked Entourage was there was some hilariousness in how cheesily everything worked out for these guys. And my thing is everyone complains like, oh, hey, it's unrealistic. Uh, that's not how Hollywood is. This isn't – Oh, you know, it's not that easy. Like, oh, everything works out for this guy. Yeah, that's kind of why I'm watching it. That's TV. It's fantasy. I'm I'm fine with that. I liked that part. If you know, yeah, if I wanted to, if I wanted to see a guy who didn't work out, all the you know things didn't work out for him, I could just log on to 
SeanTGreen.com. <laughs> well, you know, I still got to get the plug in. But the point is, yeah, of course everything works out for these guys. That's, that's the gist of the show. I felt like that was unfair criticism. I felt like in the first season or two, it was a legitimately good kind of snarky, funny show. And then it, at some point they just decided – like, hey, anything that's on a 17-year-old's MySpace page, that's just what this show's going to be. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, Vince is getting laid well, again. They, oh, they injected Vince. injected drama into it. Before it was a light, it was a comedy. I mean, that's what it was. And now it's like a dramedy, and it's just awful. It, well, yeah, there was some stuff that worked out, some stuff that didn't work out. Occasionally, the guys had problems. That were, but at the end but of nothing money episode, couldn't they solve. would be looking at, off their balcony <laughs> into a, like a beautiful downtown L.A., yeah, that's right. like how every episode would end. It was just like, oh, guys, life in L.A. is great. Yeah, isn't the world a beautiful place where everyone's successful <laughs> I know. and beautiful? I know. Even, even like the – even oh, my God, it's not going to work out for Vinny Chase and the guys. Oh, Vinny went to rehab. He had a crazy drug problem. And then you come back the next season. He's like, hey, he's getting out of rehab and everything's fine. Yeah, <laughs> like, it was solved before the episode started. Right. The they really – I mean they solved so much off screen yeah. that it was uh, – He won an Oscar off screen, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. Like, they didn't. There was he, really. He was one of the big twists in one of the episodes, or whatever you want to call it, was uh, a guy. Sh- he watched a guy shoot himself. Oh yeah, no, it was like a dude locked in the and bathroom. After that episode, where he witnessed a guy kill himself with a gun, shoot his brains all over the place. That was it. <laughs> never thought about it again. Never really yeah, mentioned never it. Never brought up again. And they, uh, they, they have that one actor. They have that one actor, Scott Kahn, who plays the slick-haired lawyer. I guess they need another guy as small as E on the show. Another <laughs> another five five dude. They, I, as a guy who's not successful in acting or whatever, it is annoying just seeing tiny guys be really successful in, in <laughs> acting. I don't know why. It's just like I can give that guy a wedgie. Give me that role. Like the, you know, the, the kind of like caveman aspect of me comes up. Like. I'll beat up that guy. I see you in the corner just like smashing your <laughs> yes. fists together. He's probably like a nerd, man. I could take him. Right. And I'm, I'm not a tough guy by any means. I'm a tough guy in comparison to Hollywood actors or other yeah. open mic comedians. But certainly, <laughs> certainly not a tough guy in any sort of traditional sense. But you do see these small, tiny guys getting millions of dollars and tons of odd chicks. And you just want to be like, no, I'm going to take it. You know, like, yeah. I don't know really how you go about that, but. Yeah, Entourage, a hilarious song, and uh, I mean, sorry, Show. <laughs> no, I was the Jane's Addiction song beforehand. Yeah, exactly, it's, it's hilarious. It, I was uh, I was thinking song because I was looking to uh, cue up this song that that is is sweeping the nation, and it's uh, it's politically poignant. It's it's a hip hop song. I don't know if you guys have heard. Do you guys know what EBT cards are? Sure do. Okay, so if you're not familiar, I don't know if it's a California thing or a federal thing, but EBT cards are, I guess the stamp aspect of the food stamp program was a little too much shame for the people. So instead, they decided, hey, get with the times. Give these guys ATM cards so that they can go out and get their food and whatever. It might be shame and more people can get them. <laughs> exactly. Hey, look at me. I'm cool with my EBT card. Yeah, slide it. And first off, here's the thing. Uh, okay, I... I, I believe in some social welfare to the point that, okay, if you're getting food for your kids, fine. But if <laughs> well, we if we can't 
Well, uh, okay, Logan. I mean, I think it's. I, I don't think it's crazy to think that uh, Domino's should not be accepting EBT. <laughs> I don't think it's crazy that think that Taco Bell should not have giant signs that say EBT card accepted here. So here, here's here's what we're going to do as a government. We're going to pay people. We're going to pay people to eat shitty food so that later we can pay to take care of them on Medicare and Medicaid. Sure. I, why not, why not just go, hey, here's a fruits, vegetables, and grain card. Good luck, buddy. And, okay, and if you can make something crappy out of that for yourself, God bless you. And I'm sorry it's, it's humbling that you can't have a Papa John's pizza, but that's part of the welfare system. Maybe you, know, you look at yourself and go, hey, I'm going to get my stuff together so I can give my kids obesity. I'm going to get a job so I can, I can afford to make my kids obese. Maybe we need to dangle those breadsticks in front of them and go, hey, we don't, we don't have a carrot on a stick because we know you don't like carrots. Instead, we're going to get a breadstick uh, dipped in buttery sauce, and we're going to hang it in front of you. And that's going to be your carrot on the stick. And that's going to motivate you to be more successful. Sean Green 2012? No, but I mean, <laughs> I don't think it's that crazy to think that fast food places shouldn't. I, I, this is no, crazy right. because right. we're legislating they're, – they're creating legislation in Los Angeles that no more fast food places in low-income places because that's taking advantage of the low-income, quote-unquote, dumb people. They won't, they won't say that. But then we also have these EBT cards that are making it way more easy for these people to get to, – to access this food. So anyway, I, I'm not sure of this um, – I feel bad now. I don't know the name of this girl, but it's very popular on, on, on the YouTube. So it's called uh, Yo Swipe Swipe Yo EBT. So uh, take a listen to the song that's sweeping the nation. Now this is this is basically this is the Tea Party's anthem. Like this is yeah, every it sounds like a Republican. Wow. Every white person that votes Republican just hears this song and goes, "I knew it! I knew this is what's driving me crazy." And obviously, I I think I'm going to give the artist credit. I I think they were being facetious because they're calling out the state of the California, going, "Hey, this is what happens to your money." Which is weird because it's almost like the black chick rapping is kind of a Tea Party person and, and doing this as a parody. I can't I can't tell exactly what side she's on. If she, it doesn't seem that earnest, like obviously she's pointing out that this is bullcrap that you can just all you have to do is have sex to get paid. I have a question. Sure. Now the people producing this music did they also accept the EBT form of payment? I would uh, I would imagine that's that's I guess that's the next thing the guy the guy making rap beats should be accepting an EBT card I mean you know hey it, it's a you know you go with the times accept an EBT card it sounds fiscally conservative but you know it's, I doubt she is actually a Tea Partier I don't know call me crazy 
I mean, you understand why people get pissed off about having their tax dollars wasted, and then you you, know, you hear these things like, "Oh yeah, we got to get this, we got to tax the tax the wealthy more, tax the wealthy more." And I'm fine, I'm fine on some social welfare stuff. I think really there's a lot of other stuff that we could be doing to get rid of, as far as like big money that we waste. Obviously, the war in Iraq and Afghanistan. You want to talk about money wasted? Yeah, and, or in California they. <laughs> Okay. I mean, the school system's really bad. All right. Now that you mentioned the state of California, Logan, I'm going to talk about – I'm going to fill you guys in. Last week, we talked about how we had a, uh, we had a party, and we had, to, we had to take out the recycling bin oh, and yeah. the trash bins, and um, some derelicts came and decided to throw some <laughs> trash in our recycling bin. And part of me was like, oh, maybe someone was cleaning up threw some trash in the recycling bin. But I'm pretty sure some bums threw some in there too as well because they, they searched through the black trash can and then take that trash and throw it into the blue recycling bin. Part of me would just wish they would just throw it on the street. So anyway, these two recycling bins sat out there with the trash and the cardboard and the, and the cans. And I guess the, the garbage truck comes, the recycling truck comes, and they don't take the recycling. So it just sits out there. Because they see, they see trash mixed in with it. Right, they see the trash mixed in with it. They, they got won't... a camera that's on the truck. Supposedly, <laughs> I don't know, I, check, I got yeah. into it I got into it with the L.A. City girl. I was like, you're telling me they have a high camera, blah, blah, blah. You're telling me they really have a camera? So who knows? Maybe it's just the guys getting out and physically looking. Regardless, they didn't accept the cans. So I had to basically get my whole body into these they're big trash cans, so I'm almost falling into <laughs> the trash diving cans. In, man. Yeah, literally dumpster diving to pick all this trash out, <laughs> then taking these big heavy things, shaking it into the black trash can. Okay, do all that. So part of me was like, okay, maybe it was just from the party, blah, blah, blah. Someone probably threw it in. I probably overreacted. It probably wasn't the bums. I, I, don't, need a, I don't need to get so angry about the bums. So Tuesday night, take the cans out once again, wake up. Wednesday morning, you know, 6 a.m., walking the dog. Oh, hey, I'll take a look in that blue trash can. Or, sorry, blue recycling bin. Make sure there's no trash in there. Pop it open. What do I see? Goddamn trash again. So 6.30, I've got garbage juice on my arms. I'm throwing all the trash back into the trash can from the recycling bin. Obviously very angry. So go through that whole mess again, and what do I do? Of course, I call the L.A. City again to follow up on my scavenger report, which I followed. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm probably the only guy who takes advantage of these, of these things. Like, yeah, you can file a report on scavenging. And I, I remember the lady, I was like, are you actually going to do anything? Oh, we're working on it. Yeah, like you're, like you're working on the goddamn toilet that's been sitting in, uh, outside of someone's house down the block for, since I've moved in here in April. So I call, and I, I tell the guy, I go through the whole thing again, make it real dramatic, make the guy feel real guilty about it, like he's the bum throwing the trash in, obviously not, but, uh, and, you know, saying, like, you guys aren't going to do anything, what's the even point, you guys don't do your job, oh, it must be nice to have this job, this Cush City gig, <laughs> where all you do is just write down information from, uh, you know, tax-paying <laughs> assholes like myself, and, uh, oh, that must be a sweet gig, how do I get that gig? And the guy's like, uh, to sir, sir, I get that all the time. Sir, sir, <laughs> you're making sir, a scene. We will take care of this, okay? And I was like, oh yeah, how you? What are you gonna do? Undercover sting? You want me to sit out there with a bat? <laughs> what are we gonna do? He goes, sir, okay, sir, just tell me who's doing this. I go, 
I told you, it's these homeless bums that are, are grabbing the cans and throwing a, okay, all I need uh, is a name and a phone number. I go, <laughs> name and a phone number? What do you, how do you think this works? It's, oh, hey, that's Tony. That's Tony the bum. Okay, I got his cell phone on speed dial. What? I mean, what? It, yeah, why? Oh, yeah, I got his name and phone number here. Why don't I just give him a call? I go, they're bums. I have no idea what their information is. He goes, okay, can I at least get an address? I was like, are you kidding me? The guy asked for. <laughs> He's got the blue tent right, right by the bridge. No, I said my address like a million times. I was like, so you want the address of the guy doing it? Yeah, that would that would be really helpful. Otherwise, we can't do anything. I said they're bums. They're bums roaming around. God. Uh, and this was after love the guy LA. was trying to convince you that they were going to do something. <laughs> Sir, we were going to take care of that. Oh, we'll yeah. take care of it. Yeah, like, well, what kind of address? We'll take care of it right away. Oh, looks it's like weird. you don't got an address there. Ah, oh, too bad. No, and and I guess in his defense, like the guy can't win because if he says he's going to take care of it, I'm going to go. Yeah, bullshit. What are you going to do? You're not going to take care of it. And then if he goes, oh yeah, we can't do anything, then I'm just going to. Oh, what? You can't do anything? Yeah. Got him by the balls. Man. Really, really, we just need some. A neighborhood watch, or at least, hey, that camera that you're using to spy on my recycling bin, why not set that camera up at the light post, and then when you see people scavenging, you come by, hit them with some pepper spray, and then we'll move on. <laughs> some beanbag shooters. I don't, think that's, I don't think that's too crazy. Or maybe we should start charging these recycling people that set up and basically hire these independent contractors, these network of bums to pick up the stuff and go, hey, if you don't have an address for each one of these cans, like basically saying, hey, when you turn in recycling stuff, like the recycling center in Burbank where human beings lived, when you turn in your recycling, <laughs> when you turn in your recycling, you also had to show them an ID that had a Burbank address. So I suggest that these recycling places, when, they, when a guy turns in 9 million pounds of aluminum, you also have to show, hey, I am not just picking this out of people's yards, job sites. I'm not just robbing copper out of construction sites. I'm a guy who actually had these materials legitimately and recycled them, and here's my driver's license, okay? Yeah. Doesn't that seem like a good solution? Am I crazy? Well, the <laughs> counterpoint, now I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Sure. But somebody could argue that, first of all, where's homeless Tony going to get an ID from? That's a. He's not, and he's not going to be able to recycle the cans. Thus, he won't be picking cans out of my uh, can bin, and he he's going to have to find something else to do. That's true, but one of the more industrious parts of L.A. is the fact that homeless people sort through your garbage. Like, in my neighborhood, I guess I'm the other kind of neighborhood where... All the bums just kind of dive in and take everything and sort everything all in nice and neat little piles. Yeah. Which out. is good yeah. <laughs> unless you have a recycling bin and they're throwing garbage in it. And they're throwing garbage all over our neighborhood because when they, when they ravage through the trash cans, wrappers, you know, garbage flies all over the place. These bums aren't, you know, they're not sticklers when it comes to littering. Yeah, so they're not being green. <laughs> exactly. All the litter that they're throwing around. It's just, oh, hey, yeah, just throw it around. Yeah, you know, yeah, just let some litter go. It's L.A. No one will notice. Oh, well, they should notice, Jeff. They should notice. <laughs> Guys like me notice. All right, now my next point of contention with the city of Los Angeles. <laughs> okay, two things. Well, first off, I've been riding the bus because uh, my car broke once again. This uh, 2000, Jetta, uh, 2000 Jetta, which 
it's just this has been one of the worst cars I've ever. I, well, every car I've had has been a piece of shit, but this one in particular has been really awful. I I, I despise the people of Germany for the tr- <laughs> for the atrocities of World War II and for shipping this piece of shit German engineering. This thing is it's just been a it's been a disaster. It's just been this two ton paperweight that's been around my neck for the past five years that I've owned this car. It is. It is insanely awful. My window broke. I mean, that was from a random rock and then ended up leading to my golf clubs getting stolen, which is probably also a bum who maybe was left-handed and liked to hit the links. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah, because he stole your clubs, which were underneath Chris's nicer clubs, right? Right. My yeah. roommate Chris, who's a righty, his nice club somehow stayed in the trunk and didn't get lifted. But my much, much crappier left-handed clubs – Somehow got sucked out by, I don't know, whoever, whoever, whoever <laughs> just whoever, didn't have an eye for quality. <laughs> whoever likes to steal forty dollars set of golf clubs <laughs> and thinks, oh, hey, that's a great idea, which made me realize they have to be left-handed. But come on, it, it, what do you? That means if you stole my clubs, that means you're just deciding to golf. And come on, how do I, that's why I don't care. <laughs> if you're a guy who's really into golf, you already have a nice set of golf clubs. If you're just starting out for golfing, okay, fine. But why are you going to break into the sport by robbing someone's golf clubs? You could, you might not even enjoy golf. Why do you want to risk robbing my golf clubs? And if he's going to pawn them, he should have taken all the clubs. Yeah, well, what <laughs> right. That's why maybe it's... one was lighter. <laughs> no, his are heavier. <laughs> and they're if you look at the clubs, they're it's very obvious that they're they're much much worse. But what I was getting at was. Okay, first off, riding the bus, okay, it is what it is. The bus costs a dollar fifty. The catch is they only take exact change. So the other day I paid two dollars and it's just like, hey, go F yourself. I'm not gonna give you fifty cents change. Which is pretty crazy. I mean, we talk about all these programs we have for the poor or the working poor, but what about not getting change on two dollars? I mean that's you're yeah. gonna that's Twenty five percent. If you're really a guy living that close to the bottom rung, you can just rip them off of. I mean, let's say you went on the bus three times. That's another fare that you're ripping them off. Twenty five percent of the fare by just going. Ah, no change. Sorry. And yeah. what? Where, where is the outcry over that? None, because it's people on the bus and they don't have a voice, Jeff. Because people on the bottom are dumb. Don't and my voice. last thing to advocate for poor people. <laughs> I see you like rolling up sleeves and loosening up a necktie right now. And and what's wrong with Los Angeles or just in general, uh, the parking tickets have gotten insane. Oh god. Now I know I know it's I know it's like, oh yeah, no one likes parking tickets, Sean. Of course you're gonna rant against parking tickets. You'd have to be a maniac to rant for parking tickets. What gets me here is the amount. Minimum wage in the state of California is eight dollars an hour. A current parking ticket, like a normal parking ticket, some are like eighty-five. So eighty-five dollars—that's almost eleven hours. I mean, if you if you factor in taxes, you're looking at like fourteen hours of labor for parking incorrectly. That that to me, that's a constitutional thing. Like that's cruel and unusual punishment. You want to talk about punishing people, or we want to talk about the percentage of taxes people pay. Parking tickets affect the poor way more. Fifty-eight or eighty-five dollars to someone who's you know making ten, twelve bucks an hour is a huge percent of their income, and they're the probably they're probably the people that can't afford 
they, an apartment with garage parking. They don't have a house where they can park in a driveway. They're the people probably parking on the streets and putting themselves at risk. They're the ones who have to wake up early for a job, so they're probably struggling to find a parking place near their house. But, oh, hey, that's the guy who's got to pay $85 and – it's crazy, man. It's yeah. crazy. And it's yeah. even worse than that. I got a parking ticket. It was the it was their error because I was parked on the side of the street where there were meters, but it wasn't a metered spot. It gave me a ticket anyway, and I tried to uh, fight it. And I, there's how can you prove it? I took pictures of it with my phone, and they're like, well, you could have moved it. And it's just like, <laughs> awesome. What a, what a wonderful broken system we have here. That's a, wow. that's a court of law, Jeff. Court it's a court of law. law. So now, Jeff, you're you're pursuing comedy. You're 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 um, Besides doing that, now I, you interviewed me and some other comedians for this book about comedy. Can you get a little bit more yeah. into it? Yeah, it's like, a, uh, it's like a whole thing I'm putting together on the Los Angeles underground comedy scene of the right here and now. Because uh, the way I figure it, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm talking out of my ass. I hope not. But I figure we're it's a in a podcast. You're allowed to. Cool. I'm all for it then. I, I think we're in some kind of a, like a renaissance of comedy. And in Los Angeles, like, every night there's something great to do. And even if it's just strictly comedy, there's a great comedy show every night. And you can look at the comedybureau.com and, and, you know, get my point. There's the UCB Theater. There was, uh, you know, your comedy garage thing. And you guys are, you know, you guys are still, that made you, you know, it was huge. You guys were like the Wu-Tang. Yeah, it's still going, you know. Like you guys are like the Wu-Tang of the comedy scene. Logan, you got your movie out and it's already on <laughs> Hulu and you're working on the Netflix now. And uh, well, that's cool, man. Now, what has has one thing jumped out to you in particular of the of the underground comedy scene? Was there a moment when you're like, man, this is worth writing a book about? Was there was there kind of a a point that made you okay? Hey, I got to start putting a, a book together and kind of chronicling what's going on in the underground comedy scene. Yeah, I um I grew up just like a, a train ride away from New York City. And when I was growing up, I was big into punk rock. I was one of those little douchebags with the mohawk and all that stuff. Same here, man. So. Same here. Remember dyeing my hair purple? <laughs> oh, yeah. Go, getting into some mosh pits in the, oh, in the yeah. church basement, drawing the anarchy signs on my notebooks. Dude, the Trucadero was in Philly. We used, yeah. to, we used to go there. I've, I've yeah, probably I've, seen I've been there shows. for a couple shows. And then, uh, yeah, I used, to, uh, I used to skateboard around New York City a lot and, like, put up shows for CB, like, uh, posters for CBGBs. I'd skateboard around with, like, a, a staple gun and a stack of posters. They'd pay me in PBR. <laughs> and uh, this is before I was even old enough to drive. But I just, I love the <laughs> scene. Let alone drink. <laughs> yeah. I love the scene there so much. And I remember my friend got me this big book. It was just, like, all things relating to, like, the Lower East Side Manhattan scene of, like, the early 80s, late 70s, like, uh, CBGBs, the Mud Club, the uh, the Fun Gallery, and uh, you know, I just remember the book, and it wasn't like your run of the mill book. It was lot. It was illustration heavy, art heavy, photo heavy, interview heavy, and like just a mix of everything in like a scrapbook format. And I figure something like that for like this day and age in comedy, and plus the fact that I need some kind of way to get my illustrations out there because doing what I'm doing is just not working out. Um, I figure I could do something like that and make make a really great thing chronicling chronic is that even a word yeah that's a word I, yeah chronicling <laughs> chronicling the uh the scene today and just i want to how, get... how's, how's the book coming along so far real slow man <laughs> writer's writer's block is a motherfucker <laughs> well that's i mean if you're basing off interviews right it's yeah. just finding more people yeah like there's a whole lot of people i want to hit um you know, I, I got you guys first, the the comedy garage guys, and then I got um, I got Wit over at Power Violence, and a couple guys Whitmer from his Thomas crew. Runs Whitmer runs a show at a little theater called the Power Violence Show. Sundays at nine, right yep. near the corner of Santa Monica Boulevard and Vine, 
And uh, yeah, Power Violence is a free show, and uh, we, you know, they just ask for donations because it, it costs Wit a bunch of money to keep that thing going monthly. And it's a great black box theater with a, a projecting a projector and a screen, so I could actually like do some do some things there. And uh, so that that's that's one thing. I want to start talking to like Chris Hardwick and the Nerdist guys. I want to start talking to a lot of people at UCB and just like. Just compiling more and more and more. Now, have you set? I, I've never written a book or anything like that. Do you have any? Do you have any experience writing a book? Is the plan just to make the book and then try to get it out there? Yeah, I want to just get it all out. Like, grab as many as much footage of interviews as I can, because like I don't want it to be a strict narrative for. I mean, I, I want it to be a narrative format, not like a strict interview format. Well, that's that's what's kind of cool now with technology. You could do, you could do a, a cool like ebook. You know, something for like the Kindle or that you could get on an iPod and could have the pictures along with like audio, you know, different audio interviews right. that you could right. click on. Yeah, I actually never thought about that. Cause yeah, well, feel free to use that idea. And then, <laughs> and then include that in the book. And then Sean Green, I was sitting in his podcast in his, in his room and we were sitting there and he, and he, he threw out the idea of an ebook and that made me just really think outside the box, which was something I mentioned earlier in the podcast <laughs> and, and something that I, I didn't want to say, but it come off douchey, but it's <laughs> really a good way to describe way to bring my thinking. That back. That's good. It's, it's a callback, Jeff. That's, that's a great callback. That's call what back. I do. It's a good so comedy now, tool. when you're not working on the comedy act or the comedy book, what do you uh, – do you have a day job? What are you working on? Yeah, I work freelance as uh, an art department assistant or a production assistant on commercials and music videos. I love it. Lots of great stories. Lots of really cool people. And it's like really getting to know Hollywood. You nice. Know? So now lots of great stories. Give me – Give me a diva story. Was there a diva oh, music video story? Yeah, I don't want. It's not. It wasn't a music video, but she is a a, a recording artist. Okay. But I I don't. You know that whole signing an NDA thing scares the shit okay. out of me. So I won't. I won't be specific. But we were shooting at Downey Studios, and um, it's like all the way you know Downey Meth Country. Yeah. And um, I was given the task by the ads. So like, okay, you have to run to Long Beach, downtown Long Beach, in the middle of rush hour, and go to Pinkberry. And get two frozen yogurts for the star and her boyfriend who was visiting set that day. And I'm like, uh, okay, it'll be a while. That shit might melt. So on the way down, I picked up one of those styrofoam coolers at CVS and a couple ice packs. And, like, I got it. I, mean, I was sitting in Very traffic. Very proactive. I like that. Yeah. I'm a man who thinks. That's I appreciate right. that. So, so uh, <laughs> I got back. And it was a while because I was sitting in traffic, but when I did, like, they were there, and they saw me walking in with the cooler, and they knew. They could smell it. They're celebrities. You know, anything that's expensive, they're like, oh, here it comes. So I brought it to the AD. She's like, oh, wow, Jersey Jeff. Oh, yeah, they call me Jersey Jeff on set. Okay. Or Rooster. Um, <laughs> long, another long story. So uh, Jersey Jeff, wow, good job, man. You, you got these in in a timely manner, and they're still cold because we had to let someone go yesterday who brought back the Frosties and they were all melted. <laughs> You're kidding. What? Yeah. See, I love that. I love that angle. Not even to throw out the idea of like, and it's, and you know, it's important that they're frozen. So, and, and that's just a weird perverse thing because obviously you want to eat it when it's frozen. So if that's, you know, feel free to mention that, or, you know, you the guy's driving down the long beach or driving some far away to, to, to get this pink berry. You know, feel free to throw that in. Now, I do know also that sometimes the people who work for production can be the diva for the star. Like the oh, star yeah. may not have had hair and hair do and makeup. It. Oh man, you wouldn't believe the kind of things I'd have to carry up steps and be like, you know what? 
I think I'm going to go with something else. I changed my mind. Would you mind bringing <laughs> that back down? Getting, you know, lugging this other rhino-sized thing up these narrow stairs in this corridor thing. Or you'll even have a producer, like, fire someone for bringing melted ice cream when, I've heard you know, the star doesn't even care. Yeah, like, I, there's there are stories about certain directors that demand on break his his own like basketball hoop be brought on to set and like and you you're not allowed to beat him you are just not allowed to beat him if you beat him consider yourself blacklisted in hollywood <laughs> and i, oh, I hear God. he's short too what an indi- <laughs> what an industry what an industry all right this was a um i felt like speaking of food and drink or whatever uh, of people <laughs> of people who have specific needs this guy i never I guess this is a huge YouTube video. I'd never heard it. I was laughing my ass off. Basically, this is a guy doing like a POV video on YouTube, and he opens up his fridge, and all it is is drinks, and he kind of starts going off on why you need the different drinks for different girls. He, the guy <laughs> the purple has, stuff. Yeah, this guy has a <laughs> is a hilarious character, so it's worth looking up on YouTube. It's a long video, but I'll just play a little snippet here to wrap things up. Y'all like, come on, man. Why you got number drinks in your shit? Why you ain't got no food? I'm going to tell you why. See, when different women come over, different women like different things, my nigga. You know what I'm saying? So, like, for the mature, this real talk, for the mature chick, you know, over 30, who still drinks juice, you hit her with the mystic. They always get mystics. I don't know why. You know what I'm saying? Then, the snapples, that's for, like, the suburban chicks. You know, they come over here, they be like, oh, my God, Chai City, like, um, do you have anything to drink? And then I'm like, yeah, Becky, I got fucking snapples. <laughs> This is crazy. I don't even know which one to take. I love, I love black guys doing the impression of white chicks. Never gets old. <laughs> Never gets old. So this goes on. This goes on for a long time, and uh, the guy's a real character. So make sure you check that out. Logan, you want to uh, wrap things up here with a haiku? I sure do. <laughs> Bums mixing the trash. Mushroom movie star swagger. Church basement mosh pit. Very poetic, Logan. Beautiful. Appreciate that. Oh, okay, now, uh, now, Jeff, where can people check you out? Where can they send? Where do you want them to get more Jeff? Um, Twitter's always a good one. You can follow me at, at Jeff the Rooster. And uh, you know what? Even hit me up on Facebook. It's all good. There can't be too many Jeff Teppers out there. Jeff Tepper. Check him out, Jeff. Thank you. And uh, keep your eye on the horizon for the uh, upcoming book. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to the Green Room Comedy Podcast. Oh, yeah, quick note. I'll be at uh, Penn State University November 10th. So uh, check that out. Live stand-up date. And, uh, yeah, log on to iTunes. Get the Whiskey Dick. It's out there. It's a uh, comedy CD, my uh, debut comedy CD. Thank you, everyone, for listening to The Green Room. We do it live every Thursday here on ShantiGreen.com. listening to the green room be sure to log on to 247comedy.com to download the podcast today and follow the show on twitter at green room show also check out our movie on hulu the comedy garage and uh also check out the new review by film threat of the comedy garage that's it bye